hard because I tried to like didn't know what to do because it was 40 gigs. So I didn't know whether to say it better than me or speak in English or just not say anything. So I think I just got really confused. It was brilliant. is Mission Sunday and that's really cool. You know, we should have that focus every now and then. Um, and there's probably a fair few things I could talk about. I mean, Robbie and I just went to the other side of the world to really just to pray and to teach and connect with people and, and, and God really um, did lots of wonderful things when we were there. But I don't really want to talk about that. Sorry. us to turn to a very famous piece of scripture. Many of us have read it more than once. Many of us have probably done an emotion on it at some time or another. So whatever you've learned about it before, I just want you to take it out of your mind right now. Okay, look at it as though you were looking at it for the very first time. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Sorry. It says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, I think, and I've thought this before, I 
think many of us can sometimes have this funny sort of idea about what it actually means to be alive. Now, if I were to, I mean, if it was night time right now and we would close all the blinds so that the street lights don't shine in and we would turn all the lights off in here, it, it gets pretty dark in here, you can't see anything. You know, the youth know because sometimes we play murder in the dark. <laughs> okay, sometimes you just walk into people and you just can't see them when they're that far away. Only when the exit lights are on the bus. But if we were to do that right now, and it were pitch black in here, and I were to get a big HID high beam and turn it on and shine it in your face, Peter, what would you do? Yes, you would not enjoy it. And if you looked at it, it would blind you, it would hurt. Okay, you'd shield your eyes and you'd look away. And some Christians think that we have to be a big high beam. Okay? And it's actually just painful for other people to be around. Jesus said, be a candle. Okay? Because if you turned off all the lights in here and shut the blinds and I put up a little candle, it would be the brightest thing in the room, yes? But you can handle looking at it. And you would actually appreciate it. That's what Jesus meant. Okay? And sometimes people say, you're a massive light, you're going to shine to the nations and stuff. Well, I'm kind of just happy being a candle, you know. I just want to be myself in the way God's called me to be. If God wants me to be bright, I can be bright. You know, if, if he wants me to light up you know, a single room, I'll do that. I just want to be what God has called me to be. Okay? I'm more than happy being a candle, not a high being that just destroys eyesight. And you'll see some people like that who try to be high beams. They're very abrasive. And it actually causes people who don't know Jesus to not want Jesus when an actual candle comes along to present Jesus. It makes it difficult for candles when someone's looked into a high beam. They just want nothing to do with it and they'd rather live in darkness. So being a candle is very important. That's, that's principle number one. Okay? Not that Christianity is about principles. That's a principle that we must know. Now, I just said, you know, what does missions look like? This is going to make it sound really practical. And then I say, we must be a light. Like, what does that look like? That actually doesn't sound very practical when I just explain it like that. If you want to know what being a candle looks like, well, you can actually read all of chapter all of chapter 6 and you can read all of chapter 7 in fact you can even read chapter 8 because then Jesus actually begins to put everything he said into action but he does preface this with the Beatitudes so we're just going to quickly read through that I'm, I'm not going to dwell on them for too long but I do want to make a couple of points okay? so chapter 5 it starts in verse 3 we'll stop at verse 10 blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now one thing, guys, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, but we don't want all these other things, then we're going to come across really self-righteous. Okay? We need all these other things in our lives too. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the 
about something that we must understand as well, is that these things do not depend on how we feel at the time. It does not depend on our time, and it does not depend on convenience. This should be who we are all the time. Okay, Jesus said, no, actually it was Paul who said, he said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, it's always dark, so we always need to be a candle. Okay? And if, as Christians, we are going to rely on our own personal strength or our own emotions, you know, to, to do good things, then we're actually going to burn out. spend time with the kids and you know do what I could and give them advice but I felt like a secular counselor or, or something you know I actually felt quite useless and then towards the end of the holidays I was here one night spending some time with God and I was I was really just whinging at this stage like God I don't even want to go back you know, if I can't even talk about you, what is the point? You know, I was like, I've got Jesus, I've got everything these kids need, and God just snapped me. You know, like as though He just gave me a kick up the backside, a real spiritual kick up the backside. He's done a few times with anyone that night, <laughs> and He said, the kids don't care about what you have; they care about whether or not you love them. Yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, I teach that, and I still don't understand it. Finally, thank you, God. And so, I mean, when you think about that, that's pretty incredible. And I went back to school, and I, I changed some of the way that I went about things. And then I began to focus more on some specific kids. And just spent some time with them. And I didn't even try and think about Jesus, even though I still kind of did. But Within two days, I already noticed the difference in the response. Two days. That was all it took. And, you know, there was this one kid that, 
I mean, I won't go into the details, and I'm definitely not going to say his name. No one's ever really shown him love, like nobody in his entire life. Very dysfunctional family. Not really a family. And so he's got a lot of issues. And I'm spending time with him for, for a couple of days just doing some things. He, he won't even go to class. He won't do his work. He's like, hey, how about we, um, I said, how, how about we dig up the sand pit where we do long jump? Because <coughs> athletics is coming up. How about we fix it up and pull out some of the plants and, and rake it? And he goes, okay. Yeah, we just want to spend time with someone. And we're doing that. And we're there for half an hour or so. And then, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go off, you know, we have the shovels and a pitchfork. And I said, okay, I'm going to go off and get the rakes and I'll be right back. He said, yeah, sure. And I came back and he had a balloon in his hand and I have no idea where he got it from because we're out in the middle of the oval. <laughs> I have no idea where I got this balloon. And it was blown up. And he said, Jamie, what does this say? And he showed what it said to me and I almost crumbled. And I said, why don't you read it out to me? And he goes, smile, Jesus loves you. Doesn't mean much to me. I said, why not? He goes, Jesus is dead. I said, ah, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about you. <laughs> I and I was driving home that day. And I was like, God, that was the most incredible thing. And he goes, well, now that you're actually showing me your love, I can actually trust you to talk about my son to him. and people just firing little shots at each other. 
how would God really trust that church to go and talk about Jesus in the community to bring those people into that church? Because in the end, you actually end up doing more damage. This is why we love unity so much. This is why we love being one in the heart so much. This is why we love doing things together. Okay? Now change will quite often come from sacrifice. Okay? I'm not going to omit that from my message. Okay? Not all the time, but quite often it does. And we have to be prepared to give up things if we are to gain something else. Okay? Now, sacrifice brings change. Change brings growth, not just in the individual, but in the corporate church as a whole. And growth brings unity because as we learned, unity is a fruit of maturity. And unity allows Jesus to be brought to the community. <coughs> because God can trust a unified church with the community. Because a unified church represents God's heart. Can we please all turn to Acts chapter 2? Just, just the last bit. Uh, Verse 42 to 47. Wonderful, wonderful piece of scripture. It's like a picture of what God's body should look like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, growth is not all about numbers, I know that. Faith is the fruit. And it is important. Don't have a heart to grow, then it actually reveals that we don't have a heart for change. And if we don't have a heart for change, we may as well pack up and go home right now and just spend time with God individually because we just don't work well with other people. But that's not what we're about, is it? We want to grow, we want to change, we want to sacrifice, we want to be unified, and we want to reveal Christ to people that don't know Him. We want to be alive. That is what we want. We want to be a candle. How powerful is many candles in one room? How many how powerful is many candles in one community? Okay, it really makes a difference. One candle makes a difference. Many candles. That can change a community. The local church is the life of the community. Many of us have heard this before. It still rings true. I have a question. If someone met you for 10 minutes, just 10 minutes, and then you asked them to write down whatever they thought of you, based upon their judgment of you in that 10 minutes, what would they write? Sometimes you only get a little bit of time. You might be the only gate of heaven someone ever gets. I don't know. 
Now, I understand everyone's different. Some people like to talk a lot. Some people don't like to talk very much. That's okay. You can still be Jesus to someone and you can still shine your light. I have a very quick other story. There was a guy I met a couple of weeks ago. He was a Satanist. Okay? And he knew I was a Christian because it was at the school and we were teaching scripture. It was outside class and he came and sat with us and okay, Satanist, Christian. You would think that would create all the barriers in the world, yes? Yes. But for some reason, he felt very free to show me all his little satanic patches that he wanted to stitch onto his vest. He felt free enough to do that. Then he showed me pictures on his phone of all his knives and his swords, and I'm like, you know what, I've got throwing knives too, and then I started describing them. Um, <laughs> didn't mean to spill that one out. But you would think that would create a massive divide between us. But he didn't care whether or not I had Jesus. He cared whether or not I loved him. Exactly. It's that simple. Exactly. Love breaks down barriers. I'm not a higher being. Thank God, not anymore. very practical and it actually becomes quite spiritual in this is you know there's a difference between negative and positive thinking but there is still a problem with them both what is it self both of them come from self I could have all the right attitudes in the world but if it still comes from me then there's still a problem with them and as I said it's only going to go so far so there's a difference between negative thinking and positive thinking but really they're in the same boat there is a new dimension altogether between positive thinking and correct thinking. Now, correct thinking is eternal thinking. It is a godly perspective. Okay? Godly perspective is not your own. It is God's understanding and His love. And when you say, God, Sandy said, break my heart for what breaks yours. You're saying, God, show me what you think so that I can think the same. Show me how you love so that I can love the same. Show me how you understand. Show me how you look at this person that I'm really struggling with so that I can see them the way you see them. And when you pray that, you will never, ever be the same. Okay? Because it's no longer me thinking it. It is God longing. I want to boil the word mission down to, I don't know, it's the simplest form is this. Mission is love, and love has a purpose. Okay, it doesn't just exist. Mission is purpose-driven love. That's what it is. It has to do something. And it sees something broken. Okay? And there's only one way to do this. We'll grab one more scripture. 12, verse 2. I've been saying this one a little bit later. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, 
Scorning its shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now this is a two-part verse. Okay? It's our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's who he is, that's his authority, that's his power, that's his identity. That lives inside us. There's also the cross, okay? There's what he accomplished on the cross. Not the piece of wood in itself, it's what Jesus did. And I think if many Christians had a proper perspective of these two things, we would have a lot less mediocre Christianity today. Because those things in themselves have infinite power to transform the way we think. Mission is love and not Churches in the world are known for their outrageous love. Churches known for many other things. Let's be known for an outrageous and intentional love. That's mission. And it's as simple as that. We shan't complicate. Let's just when we feel like it, Lord, but even when they take shots at us, when they say things, or when they do things that would be designed to hurt us. Father, it is your love that overcomes barriers. It is your love that overcomes the darkness. So, Lord, let us keep it simple. Let us love the people around us. Father, I pray that you will open up opportunities for us to be bold. Talk about Jesus to them, then they know that we care about them. That they wouldn't feel like we're some sort of salesman with an agenda where we're just acting nice until we can preach your name. 